Hello, and welcome to the Reader's Quadrant, an Empyrean podcast. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Samantha. We are doing a chapter-by-chapter reread and analysis of the Empyrean book series written by Rebecca Yaros. Today we will be discussing chapter 12 of Fourth Wing. We do swear and we are not spoiler-free. Uh, so this past week was kind of light on the Battle Brief news. Not a whole lot came out um, in the news about the series or about Rebecca Yaros. So we're going to discuss the fact that uh, Lunar New Year just happened and we have officially entered the Year of the Dragon. Yes, specifically the Year of the Wood Dragon. Because if you, um, maybe not everybody knows this, but while the the Eastern Zodiac rotates every 12 years because, you know, there's the 12 uh, kinds. Um, it is not the same when it comes around every time. There is always an element that is also attached. I had, yeah, see, I had no idea about this. Yeah. So this year, like I said, we were in a wood dragon. The last time we had a year of the dragon was in 2012. And that was a water dragon. Fascinating. Fascinating stuff. So I'm just curious to see if, like, how, what Rebecca Yaros is going to do. Because, I mean, you can't get a more brilliant marketing tactic than Year of the Dragon. I write books about dragons. Like, (laughs) but at the same time, you need to be obviously, like, culturally sensitive and not use this in a way that is, like, appropriating the culture. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I mean, it's the year of the dragon. That's gonna be kind of badass. Has to be. <laughs> ha- has to mean good things. Like it's good vibes all around. Oh yeah, definitely. And, like I said, like if she ends up releasing book number three this year, year of the dragon. Oh, I mean, I guess you could even go into into twenty twenty five. Lunar New Year generally doesn't happen until February. Yeah, and actually, this one is going to end on January 28th, 2025. Oh, okay, so she has, she can even go into it like a month into 2025 and yeah. still technically be in the Year of the Dragon. So I, I think she will be releasing in the in this time frame. But yeah, it's just, I think it's just a cool coincidence that uh, the Year of the Dragon only comes up once every 12 years. Like, what are the chances? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and if you're wondering, because some of our listeners may be dragons and not know it, um, just kind of going back not super far, uh, Years of the Dragon were 1952, 1964, 1976, 1988, I just missed it, 2000, 2012, 2024, and then the next one won't be until 2036. You know, it kind of makes me a little sick that people who were born in 2012 are 12 this year Uh. (laughs) like (laughs) you know i feel that way a lot yeah when i i I I think it's the fact that people who were born in the new millennium are 24 this year like that Mm -hmm. blows my mind if you were born in the year 2000 you're Mm -hmm. turning 24 years old it's crazy yeah, I remember when I was working in a community college and I was, I don't know, I was about 10, was I 10 years? Yeah, I was 10 years out of high school probably. And uh, just seeing like the kids, so I'm like, wow, uh, it's a little sad that, you know, to see them exactly like 10 years behind me or whatever. And I was like, oh man. <laughs> like I look at university or college kids now and I'm like, oh, you're so young though. You're so young. <laughs> It's just, man. So, yeah, lucky things for dragons, if you're wondering. Uh, Their lucky numbers are 1, 6, and 7, and any numbers containing those. Their lucky colors are gold, silver, and grayish white, which is interesting considering how prominent those colors play in these books, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And the lucky flowers are a bleeding heart glory bower. And dragon flowers. Dragon? What are dragon flowers? Um, the picture's not super clear. Oh, snapdragons. Okay. Yeah, that's like yeah. I think it's just snapdragons. But snapdragons are cool. I love snapdragons. 
I think also the Bleeding Heart <gasps> Glory Bower flower. The Bleeding Hearts flower. are amazing. They're so beautiful. I would de- look it up. And also just the the red on the white. I feel like if any of this is in play in these books, I mean, we already have the gold and silver. I don't know. It just, I feel like that's going to be significant somehow. Okay. That's cool. Just like the the blood on the innocence, you know, because white usually symbolizes innocence. So what is your zodiac symbol? Um, In the Eastern? Yeah. I am a snake. Okay. I don't remember which snake specifically, but I can find it. And I am a dog. Which is great, because I love dogs. Do you love snakes? I do like snakes, actually. Um, I, uh, my uncle had some snakes when I was growing up, and I always liked holding them and stuff. I always thought they were... They're kind of fun. I'm not afraid of them. Um, hang on a second. I really want to find this element. There it is. Mine is a wood. Wood dog. I am an... Okay. I am an earth snake. Apparently. Interesting. That is from February 6th of 89 to January 26th of 90. And so mine I'm... was February 10th of 94 to January 30th of 95. So I just made it in there. So, so you're barely in it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, secondly, I know Sam and I have discussed the French version of Fourth Wing before on here, and we've shared a picture with you all, and I'm so excited to get a copy of that version in April. Um, so, Rebecca Yaros was show- showing off the French version of the book on her Instagram, and she addressed why those of us who live in North America don't get the super cool special editions. And it's because her publishing company thinks it would be too difficult with the volume of production for the U.S. and Canada. And, like, I knew that would be the reason that they would say, still a bummer, but... Yeah, I still say bullshit. <laughs> I I refuse to accept this. <laughs> anyway, so, for the recap, last time... Violet and the squad had their final exam with the gauntlet. After some skillful maneuvering involving imitating Tarzan and doing a knife trick, Violet manages to make it to the top and into the circus. This earns her the ire of Amber Mavis, Dane's old flame, who accuses her of cheating. Violet is able to justify everything with the codex, because of course she does, which only further pisses off Amber. Zayden is secretly proud and basically tells Amber to back down before noting that Violet is leaking and orders her to fix it. Every surviving member of the squad makes it to the top and prepares for presentation. So the opening part of the chapter for chapter 12 is presentation day is unlike any other. The air is ripe with possibilities and possibly the stench of sulfur from a dragon who has been offended. Never look a red in the eye. Never back down from a green. If you show trepidation to a brown, well, just don't. And that is from Colonel Cowrie's Field Guide to Dragonkind. So, that opening sentence doesn't really, like, it doesn't really tell us anything new. We learned about the personalities of the dragons in an earlier class. We know that the reds are, like, quick to anger, and I think it was the browns that they were, like, only approach from like the right or something like that like something random oh yeah it was like there's one you're only no i think it's like you're supposed to approach was it the greens but only from the left yeah i think it was (laughs) for some reason yeah but this is just oh this opening blurb is just setting the vibe for the chapter which of course is the presentation i think it's kind of odd that we don't have a quote from brennan regarding presentation I feel like he would have some sort of weird sarcastic remark about them, like how it's just, you're just parading in front of these dragons. Yeah, maybe. But like, I feel like he might have if he was re- writing the book for Violet. But I feel like he kind of knew that Mira probably wouldn't have any issues with this part. So maybe he didn't have any advice to really give. Fair. Do you think he'd comment on it, though? Yeah, he is a little snarky. Yeah, spell at this point anyway. Um, okay, so 
There are 169 cadets left by the time that the gauntlet is done. And now we know that, because we did the math last time, um, (laughs) (laughs) when we started, after everyone crossed the parapet, there was just over 300. So we're just over half of the cadets are left for presentation. Mm -hmm. And we learned that Violet's squad has placed 11th out of 36 squads, which I think isn't bad at all. No, it's not. Like, I mean, I, that's still the top half. For top everyone, quarter, for everyone who thinks that Violet is such a liability because she's so quote unquote weak, like there are twenty five squads that placed lower. Um, and we also learned that Liam was the fastest up the gauntlet. <sighs> I just love because him. of course he was. Yeah, because <laughs> of course he was because he is just a jock at heart. Um, and so this feat earned him a patch because we know that you earn patches for different accomplishments that you have in the quadrant and we also know that violet wasn't the slowest which is good enough for her and that would also be good enough for me same as long as i didn't die i would consider that a success pretty much i mean i think they say that on multiple points as long as you don't die you're good (laughs) yeah that's what brennan says i mean i that's not really what other people are saying because they're so concerned with prestige and whatnot but i'm like Fuck, as long as you get to the point, to the threshing, where you can actually bond with the dragon, who cares how you get there? C's get degrees, my friends. <laughs> you know what they call a person who ends up last in doctor school? A doctor. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Um, so the training field is a box canyon. Now, I had no idea what this means because I live in the flattest place on the face of the earth. Same. <laughs> Um, and I, there's nothing but planes surrounding me. Yep. Uh, so a box canyon is a narrow canyon with a flat bottom and vertical walls. Literally exactly how it's described. So Mm. it makes sense. Uh, and currently it has miles of autumn colored meadows and peaks rising on three sides of the cadets. The leaves on the trees are all turning gold, which once again, we're getting this gold silver imagery that Rebecca Yarrow so likes to use. Um, and then, of course, there are also the dragons that are perching on the peaks. It just sounds really pretty, though, like with all the leaves being gold and you have like the dragons in there. Her description. It sounds so pretty. Uh, it says the leaves of the trees are all turning gold as though someone has brought in a paintbrush with only one color and streaked it across the landscape. I love that line. Right? I love that line. It paints such a nice picture. It feels very New England. Yeah, I was just going to say. It sounds like... <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been listening to a lot of Noah Kahn recently, and he's from Vermont. Um, oh. And his whole album is called Stick Season, and it just reminds me of, yeah, New England. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so, the dragons are an average of 25 feet tall, which is insane. That's so big. Like, I'm trying to think. I'm five foot six. So, they're like four and a bit of me tall. So, that is the typical size of a two-story house. Yeah. (laughs) So. And if you're a meters person, by the way, that's 5.5. Oh, actually, 25 feet is about 7.6 meters. This is true. Sorry, I brought it up. That's big. That is big, my friends. That's the very tall, and as we all know, Tarn is much bigger than 25 feet. Which, sorry, that just made me think of something a little bit. Like, not, like, with the size. Like, we've talked a lot about how the dragons are different colors. Do you think they all kind of, like, have the same kind of features and just, like, different colors? Or does the different colors have, like, look different? So, like, for example, like... I have a Shiba Inu, and, like, they're in different colors. Like, there's a red Shiba, there's a black and tan, there's white, but they're all Shibas. They just have the different coloring. Yeah. Do you think the dragons are similar? I think they're I think they're similar. I think there are probably commonalities amongst... Because, um, yeah, I, I also kind of picture it like dog breeds. Like, there's variations within the breeds, but you can still mm-hmm. tell that, like... A pug is a pug or a retriever is a retriever, even if there's variations in that breed. What I 
so I know we kind of get into this in Iron Flame, but not really. But it's like when two dragons mate and they're not of the same line. Mm -hmm. Is it just like up in the air? What what kind of baby they'll have? I think so, because I think Tarn says that nobody knows what the baby dragon in the egg is going to end up being after they lose they stop being gold um only like the elders know right it's fascinating stuff which how do the elders know i don't know vibes i guess but like i'm sure they have some kind of ancient secret dragon magic i guess it would have to be knows things he does I'm just saying, like, if the eldest of the clan dies, because, I mean, I don't that, think the dragons are immortal. I think they can die then you'd of have a natural new... causes at some point. Yeah, then you'd have a new elder. Oh! Yeah. Okay, so you how know... do they know? Anyways, you... I need to bring this up because I just saw this online. So you know how in the previous chapter, mm-hmm. when Orly, you know, died, mm-hmm. and we were talking about how her... Older sibling and her dad are riders, but her dad mm. is retired. How does that work? What does that dragon do now? Oh yeah. I don't know. Just just chills? Like Maybe. Maybe the dragon wants to be retired. Like what if it's an old dragon and he's like, I'm done fighting. I'm chill. So you would have, you would think like, okay, just to me, I would meet, I would, I was thinking, I was like, okay, if the dragons are tired, I would assume then that Orly's family would have to still live close to the veil. Cause you would think that the dragon would want to be by the veil. That's where all dragons seem to want to be. Yeah. And it's kind of like the grandparents watching the kids. <laughs> and it kind of makes it even worse if they are close enough to be near the veil and they still didn't come get Orly's stuff to burn. Oh, yeah. Anyways, just a, just the thought that I was thinking. My whole situation was just sad. So, um, Violet is thinking about Dane because he isn't there. Thank God I couldn't stand having another Dane section in my part. <laughs> um, and she notes, I'm not sure if he'll be thrilled I made it up the gauntlet or disappointed that I bent the rules. But just sad. <laughs> Violet knows that she's absolutely thrilled with herself. So... I'm glad. I'm glad that she can see and be proud of herself, even if Dane isn't going to be super happy. I know he's probably fighting with his emotions, being like, oh, I'm happy she made it, but she broke the rules because that's just the kind of person that he is. But. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, we we know he would rather watch her die than break the rules. Yeah, exactly. So Garrick has a bunch of patches that show off his skills with a multitude of weapons and this has me wondering once again about his signet because it's not anywhere on him what it is. Oh, yeah, and it's it's never mentioned. No. So what the heck is it? Mm, Anyways. Something we'll find out in book three, hopefully. Hopefully Rebecca. we learn. There's, there's certain <laughs> things I want to know. Garrick's signet. Papa Sorengel's name. Yes. <laughs> That's like at the top of my list. Why? Is Papa a Sorengale? Yeah. Why the letters between Violet and Zayden were listed as quote unquote recovered correspondence in Iron Flame? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Things like this that I need the answers to. Anyways, the whole squad's lining up. Rhiannon and Violet end up at the back of the line. So Garrick says that it's a straight walk down the meadow and he recommends staying at least seven feet apart in case dragons decide to burn one of them great great <laughs> <laughs> and apparently one of the squads saw a feather tail tynan asks who would want to bond a feather tail since they don't like fighting apparently sawyer memorized all the dragons who are willing to bond and carrie never mentioned a feather tail and i just find it funny because everyone later is so pressed that violet has bonded too when none of them would have wanted the feather tail to begin with yeah, that's true. Like, <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, Tynan says that, but nobody else like puts her down. 
Yeah, but I think it's probably it, it, nobody. Everybody thinks that feather tails don't like fighting, and so that's oh. why they don't bond. And so if you're I mean, in, and other than the marked ones, the, we know the rider's quadrant only accepts volunteers. So you have to assume that they want to fight. So this is just where I'm getting my, nobody probably would have wanted to bond and Darna anyways, because they don't think she'll fight. I also find it such a sad detail that Sawyer memorized all the dragons who are willing to bond, because he must be so worried that he's not going to bond again this year. Oh. Poor Sawyer. Yeah. Um, so Garrick says that Feathertails don't bond. He says it's probably just curious. Um, and this once again just shows how little people actually know about dragons just in general. Like yeah. they think they know a lot, but they don't know shit. No. Well, they're not wrong. The Feathertails don't like to fight because... They, they can't. can't. <laughs> they can't. I don't know if they don't like it. I, they just they just can't because they don't have any way to defend themselves. They don't have claws. Their tail is a feather. No, but they do have weird powers. They do have weird powers. And they have teeth. I mean, they can bite, right? Yeah, well, they don't have claws. Do they have teeth? I would imagine they have teeth. I can't remember because it definitely doesn't have claws. No, because it's described as paws, isn't it? Yeah. Which is really cute. <laughs> Sorry. It's just really cute. Um, so the rules are to walk in a straight line to the end of the path, then turn around and do not directly approach any of the dragons. So an unnamed wing leader tells them to talk while they're on the path because it helps the dragons get a sense of who you are <laughs> and how you are with others. She says, feel free to look at the dragons, especially if they're showing off their tails, but don't make eye contact. I would be so fucking paranoid. <laughs> Like, I would not be looking at the dragons. It's like, look, but don't. <laughs> yeah. But look, but don't. <laughs> and I also find it funny that the dragons are such gossips because they're just listening into all these people's conversations and that's helping them determine, like, who they want. I just think that's really funny. I mean, it's I get it, though, because it's, it's kind of like an interview. You know? They want to oh, see... Yeah, I mean, Totally. They, Supposedly, you know, I would imagine most of them don't want to bond with a asshole who's going to isolate everybody. I mean, clearly Jax does, but... <laughs> Why can I literally never remember the names of Jack's dragon? Babe? No. I thought it started with a Q. A Q? I thought it was something weird. Okay. I, okay. I don't know. So they begin their walk and they pass a trio of red dragons first. Noting that their talons, Violet notes that their talons are half her size. And I have to ask once again, I know we go through this every time, but it's like, how do you think you'd do with this? Oh. I don't know, but you're right. His, it's his dragon is bade. Yes. My mistake. I don't know so how do you think you deal with this? Deal with, with this, this part, part of the rider's quadrant. Yeah. Um. I probably pee my pants. Yeah, but at the same time, like, you have the adrenaline going through you from just having made it up the gauntlet. Okay, but imagine you've made it up the gauntlet, and we're in a non-magical world right now. And they're like, okay, Sam, now you have to go walk through a lion enclosure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, it's... <laughs> but the... These dragons are supposedly rational, but I guess they can also just off you because they feel like it. Yeah, they just don't like the way that you looked at them. So now they're like, okay, dead. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. Okay, so Tynan keeps shouting, saying he wants to know what breed they are, but he can't see their tails. Rhiannon basically whispers that she wants a dragon to kill him, which, <laughs> same, Rhiannon. Yeah. Because he's annoying AF. Violet, while talking to Rhiannon, changes the subject and asks if Rhiannon knows if she's going to have a niece or nephew. Because apparently there are some healers that can make a pretty good guess when a person is further along in their pregnancy. But Rhiannon doesn't know. I like this little exchange because it shows how close the two of them have gotten. Mm -hmm. And that it also shows that to the dragons that they get along. They're actually friends. They know things about each other. Yeah. And I 
I mean, I'm sure you'll talk about, about like their conversation also about how bullshit the rule is about not being able to contact anybody outside of the quadrant. Okay, yes, I was just, I was going to say, so Ree says that she won't find out until the end of the year when she can write a letter, and Violet says that's a bullshit rule, which I agree with. Like, what, what is the point? I know it's apparently to foster loyalty to the wing, but I don't know, a lot of, like, a lot of things within the Riders Quadrant, I just don't think this makes sense. I like Violet's response to that, too. When she says, I think I'm just as loyal to my sister, whether I've had a letter from her or not. Yes, I agree. I agree. And, and then Tyna gets all creepy. Ugh, so misogynistic and gross. I'm not even going to go into that. Um, but Ugh. Violet, so Tyna makes a gross remark. And then Violet says that Mira would eat him bre- for breakfast. And I don't disagree with that assessment. No. Um. So while they're walking, there are a half dozen singe marks, which means six dead cadets, which means we're down to at least 163 at this point. Um, Rhiannon asks Violet why she didn't tell her about the rope plan. Violet says she didn't think of it until yesterday. And if it didn't work, then she didn't want Rhiannon being an accomplice, which is such a nice thing. Like Violet's worried about being a burden to others. We know this. Mm-hmm. Um but she also, and this this really comes into play in Iron Flame when she does not share with her friends at all about what's going on. So she carries this over because Violet says that she promises to ask for help if Rand is capable of giving it. But she she is not an open person, Violet. No. It's just, it's sad to, so to go into Iron Flame and see Violet keeping all of these secrets from her best friends, but... It only causes harm. Yeah. Well, Violet does say, because Rhiannon asks if she's keeping any other secrets, and Violet says, I think it's impossible to know everything there is to know about someone, which is interesting, <laughs> considering her attitude towards Zayden in Iron Flame oh, yeah. of wanting to know everything. Um, and then Tyna tells them to keep it down because he's still picking which dragon he wants. And Violet's like, well, you're arrogant, so... <laughs> Uh, with her arrogance, she's sure any dragon would feel lucky to share his mind for the rest of his life. <laughs> and then she thinks that she pities any dragon that chooses him, which, yeah, I also agree. So as they're walking at the end of the line, they see the feather tail. And Tynan just says, what the hell? Because he's an asshole. He's just an ass to our dear sweet Andarna. He keeps saying shit to put her down and basically calling her ridiculous. And then he stops suddenly to stare at her while he does this, causing Violet to run right into him. We get a little bit also of how little they actually know about dragons when Rhiannon claims that Handarna is full grown. (laughs) Yeah, that's hilarious. She's like, it's full grown. There's no way the other dragons would allow a baby to bond. No human alive has ever seen a baby. Y'all just did. Yeah, it, and it's just <laughs> funny to me. No dragon alive would let her bond. No dragon alive can tell her not to. Nope. <laughs> she is the youngest and oldest. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a weird dichotomy if you think about it. Anyway, Titan then keeps going on because he just can't help himself, apparently, to say that Andarna is a mistake and that she should bond Violet because they're both small and weak. And then Sawyer gets pissed and gets involved. And he tells Titan to never say that about a squad mate and especially in front of unbonded dragons, which kind of reminds me of like feral or wild animals because they're unpredictable. Mm Mm-hmm. Just like my apt lion cage analogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Luca then mutters that she agrees with Tynan, which shocks Violet for some reason. They've never gotten along, so I'm not really sure why she's shocked about that. Uh, but Luca does make the silver and gold comparison, though, which is interesting. Yeah, considering what we've been saying this whole book. Mm-hmm. Um, Trina, who... Have we met Trina before? Yes. She was the really quiet one. We met okay. her last chapter. 
Okay, I was like, I do not remember this person. It's because she's probably. friends. Remember, she's friends with the people in First Wing. She doesn't talk That's to. That's right. Yep. Yep. Okay. So Trina calms Sawyer down, and everyone realizes that they're now grouped up together. So, <laughs> which is bad, because then, as we were told be- beginning, uh, if a dragon decides to off one of you, they're gonna go for all of you. They're not gonna wait or care. So they spread back out, but then Tynan says that someone should kill Indarna before she bonds, since he believes that she's just going to get her rider killed. I just, like, the audacity of this man. I know. Like, they have been warned time and time again, don't talk shit. Like, and you know that poor sweet Indarna could probably hear this. Yeah, I wish teenage Indarna heard this. Oh my god, teenage Indarna <laughs> would just kill him and eat him. <laughs> Because uh, he's not a friend, so she can eat him. Yeah. Or was it we don't eat our allies? Yeah, so he's not an ally, so she can eat him. Um, <laughs> so, and then Violet also almost wants to kill him in response, mm-hmm. which is fair. I think it's fair, and it also kind of shows how she's already protective of Andarna before she's even met her or bonded her. So, prior who is the indecisive kid that we met back at the first battle brief is very indecisive once again. I have to say this would annoy the shit out of me. I know. (laughs) Oh my God. I know. I'm like, just make a decision. I really don't blame Tynan for yelling at him there. (laughs) It's like the one time. And I don't understand like prior questions if they should go back i don't know yeah i don't don't understand why like they were either close to or just past the halfway point i think and so it's i don't it doesn't make sense it's just weird and so tynan tells him for once in your life make a damn decision prior Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm And then just, like, passes him. Apparently. They all just kind of pass prior, I guess. Um, And so they kind of switch up. And so now... Rhiannon is in front of Violet now. And Riddick is behind her... Behind Violet. With Luca bringing up the rear. It's phrased kind of weirdly. So that's why I kind of had to... Figure it out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The order. Because when she says Riddick follows behind, I wasn't sure if that meant behind Rhiannon or behind Violet. But I think it's behind Violet. Yeah, I would agree. So, that's what I'm going with. So, Riddick and Violet are looking at the dragons in awe. And then Luca pipes up saying that they're underwhelming when compared to scale. Oh my god, these people are so stupid. Which is, yeah, it's just rude. And also, everybody's smaller than scale. The only one bigger than scale is Tarn. And Koda. <laughs> and Koda. Yes. Those are the only two bigger than scale. It's noted me. Of the females, she is probably the biggest. Is Andarna bigger than her when she grows? I don't think so, because I don't think she's done growing. I think she will be, though. She probably will be, but I don't think after she finishes her sleep, she's done growing. Because I think they mentioned that, like, she'll get bigger, but her muscle won't grow. Because it didn't develop. She can't fly. Oh, sad. I know, it's so sad. It's basically like she has a clipped wing. Poor Indarna. That's going to be rough when she has to finally accept that. Uh, Coming back to presentation... Violet tries to defuse the situation by saying it could be a line of wyvern. Which Luca then mocks because she doesn't know what wyvern are. <laughs> yeah, because at this point, Violet still thinks this is like common knowledge, like common stories. Although she's not the only one because like Rhiannon also says it's like shocked that she doesn't know what they are. But I wonder if that's because Rhiannon lives so close to a border. Like those stories are more common there. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Yeah, and Violet has it because her folks know what's up. Yeah, because her dad wanted her to know. Yeah, and her mom did too, I think, honestly. 
I don't think she went into it as much because she wanted to take care of it herself because that's the type of person Lilith is. Yeah. But I don't think she... (laughs) Don't make me cry again. (laughs) But I think if it came down to it, she wasn't... She would not have hid what they are from Violet. Like, she didn't burn the book. This is true. Like, I'm sure she, like, found some Rambo saying, well, it's technically Violet's because he gave it to her. But she probably could have gone the other way and said it since it came from him, it should be burned. So then we get some information about the wyvern. Um, Violet says that they're kind of like dragons, but bigger with two feet instead of four. And they have sharp feathers that go down their necks. So I imagine kind of like a horse mane, but with feathers. Mm, mm-hmm. That's how I imagine it. Yeah. And they prefer the taste of humans, um, which apparently dragons don't. They think humans taste gamey, which is kind of funny. Oh, that is funny. I don't know why, but it just is. Um, And then... This is the part that's really important. Um, Rhiannon talks about the venom in their eerie eyes. And they talk about how the venom can channel. And that people turn into venom if they channel from the source. So we learn right here how someone becomes a venom. Luca, of course. Oh, and also Violet. This is another thing that I didn't catch at the time. Violet tells a story about how her mom came home late one night because she'd been working and her eyes were bloodshot red. (laughs) And apparently it caused Violet to think that she was a venom and she just started screaming and crying. (laughs) Oh, that is interesting, though, considering all that we think about her mom. What do you mean? About how she could have had like a venom illness. That's why she, that's why Violet has like, the silver hair and oh yeah yeah i mean i still think she could have been but i think oh no because i mean it's normal to get you know bloodshot eyes if you're really tired like that but no i agree but i'm just saying what if um that's just the story that they told like what if she had to be getting like medicine or whatever her entire life and like, she was late or something, and then that's just a story that her parents told her. Oh, yeah. And they were at the eastern border when that happened. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, what if this is a little Easter egg? Yeah, that's true. Interesting. Um, Violet, or not Violet, Luca mocks it all as border village nonsense. This is such city person. I know. <laughs> high and mighty, like, ugh, rural Hicks energy. Yeah. But she does say something that I thought was interesting. She notes that the wards are supposed to stop all magic that isn't channeled from dragons. Which we know is false. I say, so if that's true, how the hell did Jack become Venom? Yeah, and I think we're going to delve into that in book three. Yeah, because, I mean, we do see, I mean, that's... They had to, the wards do stop the venom. Like, they're not able to channel or do anything mm-hmm. when the wards are working. Yeah, I honestly think Jack had some help. He had to have. Or maybe he went to one of the places where the wards fell, like, briefly. You know, where we hear about in Battle Brief, but we don't hear about in Battle Brief. Yeah, I don't know. I think we need to learn more about that. So, Rhiannon tells Prior to walk faster, which he then waffles about. <sighs> And then, well, he get burnt. I just, maybe we should slow down and take our time. Or I guess we can go faster if we want to get out of here. Like, oh my God. He's the worst. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sure he's a nice kid, but he's the worst. (laughs) I shouldn't be laughing. (laughs) I bet this would smell so bad. Well, that's what Luca complains about. (laughs) After a bit, they move forward and Luca complains about the smell. Which I don't think is, you know, it's, the dude just died. And you're just like, oh, it smells so bad. Like, come on. Yeah, Luca's awful. 
She's so classy. After this, though, everything stops because two green dragons move in on Violet and start sniffing at her. And then they're kind of like laughing to each other. We also get another um, eye description. Golden eyes. Yes. They have golden eyes. So many eyes. Mm -hmm. So these two dragons are sniffing at her. And she says the one on the right chortles deep in its throat. And she's like, wait, is that approval? Shit. <laughs> and then she, Violet thinks she's going to die. Um, but then she realizes that they smell Mira's dragon, Chenya, on her because of the scales. Because as we remember, Chenya uh, gave the, mm-hmm. her, is Chenya male or female? Um. She collected Chenya's scales after he shed them last year. Okay. So Chenya, after he shed his scales, uh, let Mira take them to have them shrunk and made into basically chain mail for Violet. That's how I take it anyway. Uh, Violet tells them about the scales. She kind of whispers it and you know, is like, it's okay. And she kind of has a cute little conversation with them. And uh, then they kind of accept her uh, explanation and then she, they back off and Rhiannon asks Violet if she's okay and then Violet decides to tell her about her armor. I like this. Sharing like to... something. Yes. However, she's like loud whispering it because as we remember, they're like seven feet apart. Mm-hmm. You don't think someone else would have heard? Well, I, pro- I, d- I doubt that she minds if Riddick hears because Riddick is behind her. I suppose. Oh, yeah, that's true. Riddick's between her and Luca. Although it's not that it matters much longer. Um, <laughs> Luca says that she thought the dragons were going to eat Violet. Which Violet's like, yeah, I kind of thought so too. Um, <laughs> Luca responds that she wouldn't have blamed them. Riddick says she's insufferable. And Luca keeps going, ending in her getting burnt. And, and having the last laugh. It's the best line. He's like, guess the dragons think she's insufferable too. <laughs> God damn it, Riddick. And thus marks the end of the chapter. Interesting, yep. some interesting dynamics. Not a whole lot happened, but we're really just getting set up for the threshing here. Yeah, and we're now down to six. Yeah, and we're eliminating first years in the squad. Not important members of the squad. Yeah, and the only other thing I have about this chapter, which I think you and I talked about a little bit earlier, but we don't see any mention of Tarn at presentation. Yeah, well, because I fully think that Tarn wasn't intending to bond, but then Andarna gets in trouble. Scale calls Tarn. In during but, the threshing, but he was because he was named as a candidate when they were going through all the dragons. They said, "Oh yeah, he's willing to bond this year." Um, how do you approach him? You don't. Professor Carey answers. He hasn't agreed to bond since his previous and only rider was killed during the uprising. The only way you'd ever be near him is if you're in the Vale, which you won't be. I could have sworn for some reason they said that he was willing to this year. No, for the first time since that happened. No, because Jack asks how to approach him, and Professor Curie says, yeah, he, he hasn't agreed to bond. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, he was not there then. So, that is that. Yeah, um, so what have you been up to for the last week? So, I am still finishing up watching the season, I'm in the season seven now of the Office Superfan episodes. We're into the ones that I hate. God, I hate it. Is this without Michael at this point? Yeah, it's the Will Ferrell episodes. Yeah. I cannot fucking stand his character. Yeah. I'm not a huge Will Ferrell fan in general. That's what I was going to say. I I can't tell if it's because I just hate the character or if it's because I'm not a Will Ferrell fan in general. Like, I haven't even watched Elf. Because I, I just don't just, really care for Will Ferrell. Yeah, his humor, it just isn't for me. No. And so I think it's the combination. Because his character in this D'Angelo is, like, truly abhorrent. 
I'm just oh god I'm just kind of running it out because I know he's only there for like three episodes but god so just hoping to finish that soon um, I started reading Crown of Midnight yay I'm not that far in yet because I just between work and uh, getting things done at the cat cafe and my kid mm-hmm. and sometimes doing this podcast and everything just life so I'm only like two or three chapters into it um basically right after she right after Selena gets back from her um mission basically assassination yeah in the first like in the very beginning so she comes back and then she gets the new mission from the king and then her and Kale chat and she lies to him and then she just kind of goes off to take a bath that's kind of where I left off there so not super that's why I'm not even bothering to say spoiler because A this book's been out for like 10 years and (laughs) B uh, it's so early on it's not spoiling anything Uh, (laughs) like you'll get that right away Uh, (laughs) So, I don't know. I'm looking forward to see it. I really like Selena as a character, honestly. Um, I've seen a lot, at least in the, the previous books with her I've read, I see some parallels between her and Violet at times, honestly. Their 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 mottos are similar. Yeah. And also just the need to keep secrets from everybody. You know what I like about Selena is she's like so un- unapologetically feminine while also being strong. Like she likes dresses and makeup and things like oh, yeah. that, but she also is just a certified badass. Oh yeah, yeah, I like her a lot, and she's got her little puppy. She's probably my favorite Sarah J. Mass main heroine. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. I'm. I'm. I'm I do enjoy it. I'm not looking forward to when she kind of moves to the background because I know that she does at some point here. Hmm. I don't know if it's this book or the next book, but I know Aelin. Is that how you say her name? Yeah. Okay. I know she takes over as kind of like the main. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to be bummed about that. I hope I like Aelin. Yeah. I'm but. sure you will. Otherwise, I'm uh, looking forward to the long weekend um, here in the States, at least in Illinois. Um, Monday is Lincoln's birthday. This coming Monday? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I have the same birthday as Abraham Lincoln. You do. Yay. (laughs) So since I am currently a uh, state employee, I actually get the day off. Exciting. And daycare is not closed. So it's going to be a great day. That's <laughs> so interesting. It's like an actual day off. <laughs> our day off is not this coming Monday, but the Monday after. It's family day. Oh, that's why you have it off. Yeah. Interesting. We have it off. I have that day off too, but it's because it's President's Day. Um, as of for myself, so I recently got into rewatching and rereading Daisy Jones and the Six. I just like that book, and I like the series, like the TV series, so I've been doing that. that one. Oh, okay. It's fun. Do you know The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo? I know of it. I haven't read it. Okay. It's by the same author, Taylor Jenkins Reid. Jenkins, yeah, Jenkins Reid. Um, and then they made a miniseries about it. Oh. It's like 10 episodes. I love the miniseries. I think it's so good. Hmm. Um, the music is really good, but I really like that, like, era and genre of music because the story is basically lo- loosely based off of Fleetwood Mac, like the rise and fall of <laughs> Mac. Um, oh, poor Mick Fleetwood. Yeah. Well, it's basically, it's pretty much based off of um, Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham, their relationship. Mm. And so that's what I've been doing. Um, and then last night I went to a Canada versus USA women's hockey game, which was super, super fun. Yeah. I really enjoyed myself. And yeah, it was just something 
different to do. I really had a lot of fun and it was a fun night out. Do they have good attendance? Yeah, I think it was, uh, there's only like maybe like a hundred-ish seats that weren't sold. Good. Yeah. So it was really fun. I feel like with the revival, or I shouldn't say revival, but like with the starting of the PWHL, like women's hockey is feels like it's really taking off. Yeah, I agree. So that's why it was really exciting. And yeah, I just love seeing people support women's sports. So yes, it was great. Um, anyways, uh, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you're listening to us. Remember, we are doing a giveaway when we hit 5,000 listens, so we're getting closer and closer to that every week. Where so are we at? 3,300. Okay. Um, you can find our Instagram at Readers Quadrant Podcast, and you can email us at readersquadpod at gmail.com. Be sure to join our Discord. A link will be posted on our Instagram. Yes, and we have some awesome ideas in the mix for our giveaway. Yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Like you're gonna want this. So keep an eye out for it. I'm <sighs> I'm really excited about it. I am too. So be sure to be sure to share with your friends. Get more people listening. The sooner yes. we get to five thousand, the sooner we do the giveaway. Exactly. So thank you all again so much for listening and then go listen again. <laughs> and remember, the right way isn't the only way. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of his song, The Pyre, for our intro and outro music.